and welcome. Episode 8 of the Family Life Original Podcast, if that makes sense. Hey, this is Tim. I'm in Family Life's radio production department. This is Robbie in Family Life's performing arts department. This is Mike. I'm in Family Life's events and performing arts departments. And this is Mary. I work with Tim in radio production. It's been so long since I've been there. My brain had to remember what department <laughs> I part of. That's what that pause was. You don't even have to wait because I'm just going to acknowledge it. <laughs> I was going to call it dramatic arts department or something ridiculous, but anyway. <laughs> oh, man. Um, those two over there, roomies, quarantined together. So that's that's fun right there. Mm-hmm. That's Ex- right. <laughs> so uh, and maybe along the lines of being quarantined with people quarantined alone, all of us are in a different circumstance, kind of like we talked about on our last quarantine podcast mm-hmm. here on If That Makes Sense. But we're all we talked a little bit last time about some of the lessons we've learned. And we want to kind of drill in on that today and and look at specifically, yeah, this is a bad time for sure. It's not a good thing, but there have been some good lessons learned. And there have even been some good things to come out of it. And that's not at all to make light of it. But we do want to just focus on, hey, what are the good things God is teaching us right now? So just starting off with some real practical stuff, just about getting it done and doing what we do, Mike, what could you share with us about just practical lessons you've learned? Sure. Um, I know that we're all very busy here in the United States of America, running around doing all these things, trying to do more, 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 more. And um, for me, these past couple of weeks have uh, been a lot more relaxed. I've, I've slowed down. My, my workload has shifted somewhat, and um, things are just a lot more um, slower paced for me. And I've been able to stand back a little bit from what I do and sort of figure out once, once this um, pandemic passes and things speed back up again, how can we sort of keep, keep the good things that came out of it? And... Um, so a couple things that I have discovered and started implementing. One thing is just asking why. Um, before I start any task, I try and ask myself why. What's the purpose? Because sometimes we do things, we're just on autopilot, and there's not really a purpose behind it, or it's not a valuable use of our time. Um, time is such such a gift I would say. And so I want to make sure that I'm spending it well. And just by stopping and asking, is this thing I'm about to do, whether it's reading a book, whether it's working on a project, whether it's scrolling through Facebook, just asking the question, why? Hmm. Is this a good use of my time? Um, what's, What's my intended purpose behind it? That's really helped me prioritize what I do and um, I think make better use of my time that I have. Which I think is cool because even though we're in the younger demographic and we may sometimes look to the older demographics and say, oh, well, they're always so steeped in their tradition. They never stop to ask why they do things. It's just this is the way it's always been and this is the way it's always going to be. 
But I think that we can, I think we can slip into that too in, in certain things where we're like, oh, this is just, mm -hmm. this is just the way I've always done it. It's what I always do. This is what, this is just what I do. And so I don't think that's like, um, I don't think that's an age thing. I think it's just something mm -hmm. we as people find this thing that we get comfortable with. We're like, well, we always do it. I always do it this way. I always do this thing. I always, but, but asking why. I think it's a great question because then that gives you the okay. What's what's my motivation for even doing this? Whatever fill in the blank that I'm doing. Yeah, we're all of us as humans. We're we're lar largely habit based creatures, mm -hmm. and we do things <laughs> like we do them because that's how we've always done them. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing like a pandemic that changes everything you do every day, day in, day out, every moment of every day. Nothing like that is going to, you know, shake you up and and make you start to have to ask those questions that maybe you weren't asking before because you can't mm -hmm. do anything the way you've always done it anymore all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. So now why is a is a necessary question. But I love that, Mike. I love that applying that applying that to anything, to anything we're doing. What else? Along those lines, um, sort of having been born out of that, the idea of um, setting less goals and attaining more of them. Mm. Um, <laughs> honesty time with Mike. I'm really good at starting things. That's gonna be a new podcast. I was about honesty to say that very <laughs> same thing. I'm really good at starting things. I'm not so great at finishing them. And last week, I was I was so embarrassed. I was reading. I was trying to read six or seven books at the same time. And I was getting frustrated with myself because I couldn't remember what I was reading and nothing was making sense. And I was thinking, well, what's the point in even reading? I can't recall any of this information. And <laughs> that's just an example of what I do sometimes. I get really excited and start a whole bunch of things and then never get to the end of them. So I've been really working as of late to focus in on one thing at a time and now I'm proud to say that I'm only reading two books <laughs> instead of seven. <laughs> but the amazing thing is I'm more focused on those two and I'm, I'm remembering what I'm reading. And so then just apply that to every aspect of your life. Instead of trying to do 16 things at once, uh, just focusing on one or two of the most important things. And it'll be easy to tell what the most important things are because you've already asked why, why am I doing this? Uh, because for some reason it's important to you. And then I think that if you set less goals, you have more chance of reaching the end of them. Which I think is interesting because when you have a goal that is a little more attainable, then I feel like you can even reach that goal and and maybe even go beyond it like oh i'm gonna pray i'm i'm, I'm not a, i'm I, I have a hard time focusing in in prayer or whatever i'm gonna pray for three minutes I'm just gonna pray for three minutes and then you set your timer and you do that for a couple of days and then all of a sudden you're like oh three minutes i could probably do four minutes you know i feel like <laughs> if you set that goal that's more instead of like I'm going to pray for an hour each day and then you don't reach that goal and then it becomes frustrating because you're like, oh, but I feel like starting with something that's right, definitely reachable, then that's going to stretch you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. I agree with that. But what I'm curious about is what was it about quarantine that made you learn that lesson? Well, I think 
for me, my entire life, I've always been motivated by somebody telling me what to do, whether that was a teacher in school or a <laughs> boss at work or a mentor or whatever. And now all of a sudden, I'm for the most part on my own. I, I meet with my supervisors a couple times a week and we talk through things, but largely the responsibility lies on me. And that was a bit of a transition for me because uh, it was sort of a, a rude wake-up call to realize, wow, I've always thought I'd been such a motivated person, but really it's just to do what other people ask mm -hmm. me to do. When I'm on my own, it's much harder to, to get anything done. So it was sort of a necessity to reflect back on um, why I do what I do, where do I feel like I'm coming up short, um, and then how do I restructure uh, what I what I am doing so that that um, that motivation and that drive that came from other people now is coming from myself. I think that's really good. I think that's really good and really healthy to be able to do that and to be able to acknowledge that and make that change. All right, you had one more practical practical boots on the ground kind of like get it done kind of point that you gave the other day and I loved it. Mm, I like this one too. I'm reading ahead because I can see his outline. Listen up. <laughs> Cheater. <laughs> I love it too and I can say that because it's not for me. Mm, it's oh, from true. Psalm 37 5. Uh, it says commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will act. And that's a verse that I've read many many times and it's never struck me. But the other day I was reading it in a different translation and the verse starts by saying commit everything. And I just stopped right there because for me, commit everything means literally the smallest thing you can think of, commit that to the Lord. And I've been trying that as an exercise. Uh, it's not easy, but before I do everything that I do, just stopping and deciding to commit it to God because I've already answered the why question. It's important to me. I've set less goals, so I'm focusing on one thing at a time. Now I'm committing that one thing to the Lord. It's helping me pray without ceasing because I'm talking to God throughout the day instead of just once in the morning. And suddenly everything just seems to fall much more nicely in place. And the ironic thing is the times I forget to commit things to God are times I'm spending my time doing things I probably don't need to be, yeah, right. like scrolling through Facebook. I always forget to commit that to God. And then I realize, well, maybe that's because I didn't need to spend the last 15 minutes mindlessly scrolling through. Yeah. So those sort of three things, asking why, set less goals, attain more of them, commit Absolutely everything. Let me, let me tell you, it's totally changed his workout plan. We work out in the morning. This man, he committed it to the Lord. You should have seen him. He was lifting <laughs> heavier dumbbells than he ever has. He was sweating. It was amazing. Mike, life changing. Can't you commit? Can't you commit like sleeping in though and giving yourself more rest? Couldn't you commit that to the Lord? <laughs> I'm surprised that I hadn't thought of that yet. Mike, come on. Loopholes. <laughs> you can you can commit commit that that rest to the lord yeah you i think Great that's idea. what i would probably be doing i've already been getting over eight hours of sleep since coronavirus <laughs> hit though so i'm doing just fine <laughs>
Speaking of things being committed to the Lord, and hi, Mary. I know you're hi. you're there. I've been asking <laughs> Robbie and Mike things, but you're still here. The world knows you're here. Yay. <laughs> um, speaking of things being committed to the Lord, Robbie, you've had a situation lately in, in your life that you've had to commit over to the Lord. Would you mind telling us a little about some of the story you've been through lately? Well, I thought that was your way of transitioning to Mary, and you totally just bounced back to me. <laughs> no. <Nope>. Fine. I... <laughs> that was my way of saying, guys, Mary is still here, okay? I, I know Robbie's <laughs> about to tell a story, and it might take him a little bit, and he's going to be passionate about it, but Mary is still here. I am. I am. And Robbie, she's drinking. Story. <laughs> she's drinking, what did you call it? Sap? Yeah, it's maple syrup in water basically like yeah anyway it's really good because yeah. because it's maple syrup and water you don't need to explain it anymore on that, that yeah, that's why it's, it's good family, it's a family thing um my family gets like several gallons of maple syrup every year and so why not put it in water it tastes great <laughs> i'll just I, you so. don't even have to include this but just bunny trail mike's family they make maple syrup and i went to the syrup farm and I went to the sugar shack, and I collected sap from those trees and boiled it down, and man, delicious. So the story, <laughs> the story. No, that was good. That was good. Mm -hmm. to, this, this is the second time that the Lord has chosen to stop me from buying a house. I was ready to buy one once, and then it just fell through, didn't work out. And then second time around, I'm getting all ready, working with a realtor. Is it is it realtor or realtor? I never really know. Real realtor. I I, I mean, technically it's spelled like that, but a lot of people decide to put a little "eh" in there, anyways. <laughs> yeah, I definitely say real realtor. Anyway, That's fine. You're um, good. You can't look at houses now because you can't go out, and the realtors. Offices are shut down. They can't even show houses anymore. So, boom, that, that shut down. So my mindset had switched from, oh, I'm living in this nice apartment in this nice situation to, oh, I'm going to go get this other thing. I'm going to get this house and I'm going to put the furniture here and I'm going to put my aquarium here and I'm going to do this and this and have that and that. And I started living in that house before I even owned it. And then when I found out when everything was shutting down and the market was shutting down, um, it it was just really disappointing. Um, and it was just one of those times where I realized, wait a minute, I wasn't living in the moment. I wasn't I wasn't dedicating the things that I was doing in this space to the Lord. I was trying to be living out there in the future someday in something that wasn't even mine. Um, I even like, I took the background off my aquarium and there are wires hanging everywhere. Cause I was like, I'm just going to move this thing anyway. Um, and it's funny even looking at something simple, like an aquarium, because that's all part of it too, is, is realizing, can I be content with where I am, what I'm doing and what I have right now? Because I'm thinking, oh, I'll get this house. I can get a bigger aquarium and I can get more fish and then I'll be happy. <laughs> But realizing I can't go anywhere right now and I can't do anything right now, I don't have a choice. This aquarium here is what I'm going to have until this thing blows over. And it's caused me to stop and pull back and just realize, well, wait a minute. This this is beautiful. These are really nice fish. And I, I went online and I got a new background for it and I put the background on it. So now it's 
it's looking nice again instead mm. of looking ugly. And I'm like, you know what? I should, I should probably clean the bathroom since I live here. And I, I'm not like, I'm moving out, so I'm not even going to clean the bathroom. And I should probably organize under the bed and whatever. I've started living in this space again, and it's just made me realize, mm. okay, how often do I think to the future and start living there or or worrying about there or or panicking about there or whatever it is. And it's like, huh, Kung Fu Panda reference. Mike's quote in the Bible. I'm just going to quote some <laughs> Kung Fu Panda. Master Ugwe, he's this old wise turtle. And he says, yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. And today is a gift. That is why we call it the present. That was excellent. And I, I thought, yeah, and I thought, well, that's so true. Like, how often am I, you know, way out there somewhere? But just realizing yeah. godliness with contentment is great gain. Mm -hmm. If you can have godliness and contentment, you got it. Great gain. You don't need to be off in the future having bigger, better stuff. Godliness with contentment. Yeah. And that, that actually kind of reminds me. Um, of uh, something that Preston said a couple podcasts ago about career choices and that there is no just. Mm. I'm just doing this for now. I'm just doing this job right now, but later I'm going to go do this. I'm not just living here right now in this situation, right? but being in the moment and appreciating what we have and as crazy as it sounds, appreciating this virus and everything that's coming with it. Right. And even though it's hard and yes, there are a lot of things that are going wrong and, and a lot of people who are scared and everything, but it's also important to appreciate it, even though it's hard. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. Because I think a lot of us, whether we mean to or not, are kind of living in this well, once things go back to normal, well, mm -hmm. once this is over, well, I'm doing this for now, but once, but once, but once, and it's like, you can live your whole life and but once, mm -hmm. and it's like, yeah, but today, like, lived, I, we don't have any idea. I mean, we can look at the forecast and be like, oh, well, it's supposed to be the middle of May, or it's supposed to be, <laughs> or it's going to be longer than we thought, or it's going to be, and it's like, at the end of the day, we don't know. Yeah. So it's like, That's we right. can't live, we can't live for well, one side you have to you have to live now. Yes, yes, that's good, and I want to want to come back to that because that's so good. So speaking of those things that we're seeing and those things that we're able to appreciate in the midst of a really tough, really bad time, what are what are some of those things you're seeing, Mary? Well, I I made quite the list. <laughs> <laughs> As usual, um, that's good though. I, Yes, yes, I am good at making lists, apparently. Um, <laughs> but I'll just share a couple. One thing that I've noticed, and I'm not sure if it's just me that's noticing this or if this is actually something that's happening, but I've noticed that families seem to be getting along better. And and I'll take the case of my um, my parents' neighbors. I'm just going to call them my neighbors because in my mind, I haven't yet moved out of my parents' house. <laughs> <laughs> um, it takes a while, uh, doesn't so, it? So, <laughs> so they're they're a young family, and the kids, the kids, there's three kids, and they they get along pretty well. They they are a pretty close family, um, but I mean, you know, kids, they they argue and and everything, and um, we can hear them loud and clear from our property sometimes, and it's been really interesting these last couple weeks 
hearing that less and hearing them get along better and and just being nicer to each other. And I mean, that's really exciting to me. Mm. Um, my siblings and I have always gotten along super well. And I always wondered why that was. I was homeschooled. So and I live in the middle of nowhere. So it's possible <laughs> that the reason we got along so well was because we had to, otherwise we would go insane. Right. Um, right. <laughs> but I don't know. Have any of you guys noticed any of those types of things? Yeah, definitely. I'll speak to that. Just speaking for myself, just being home, my wife and I here and our dog, it's a, it's a really peaceful restful healing time for us to be able to to process a lot of things together. I'm seeing really great, amazing, delightful texts from my my mom all the time about the 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 fun stuff she and my dad are doing at home. They're just like playing <laughs> board games and stuff and all these things and mm-hmm. she's always been like <laughs> It's so funny because she's always like, do you want to play a board game? you want to play a card game? And like, (laughs) it's just not really his thing. Board games, card games, not really his thing. But like they're playing Bananagrams all the time now. And she's like, I even got him to start playing Canasta. I'm like, there's no way dad's playing Canasta. He's playing Canasta. But that's the thing, like. So what I think is what I what I think we're we're, we're seeing is probably a, a blend of, you know, if a relationship's healthy then more time together. Yeah, it'll there'll be bumps and friction along the way, but ultimately it's going to create some some bonds that are that are stronger. And I would say, you know, if a relationship's unhealthy right now and people are are stuck together, I I would like to I would like to hold out hope for for thinking that maybe maybe this time of of closeness is is making people have to say, "Okay, we haven't been great in our relationship before or whatever but we've got to if we're gonna like stay sane through this so mm. i don't know but i can definitely see i'm seeing cool things and i'm i'm just delighted and, and happy to see the things i'm seeing from my circles there is hope <laughs> right right yeah there yeah. is i've enjoyed that time as well because i have um been able to spend time with my family because we were spending so much time previously before everything went down we were like well we've already spent time together so you know, we're not going out to everybody's house, door to door, whatever. But well, and your parents are literally like down the street from you as well, right. sort of. So <laughs> they are. They are. I, just don't, I don't want people to think I'm breaking the law. But yes, we've been over to their house, and and they've been over here, and just being able to spend more time. And then my little sister, she lives at home still too. She's the youngest one. She's the only one at home still. So to be able to spend more time with her. And to be able to spend more time with them, just, you know, like you're saying, playing games, talking, reading scripture. We've been doing our uh, online services together on Sundays. It's like, wow, I I don't remember the last Sunday I had that was chill and relaxed. My dad's a pastor. My mom's a pastor's wife. I don't remember the last time they had a Sunday that they could rest. <laughs> and so it's been amazing to watch them sort of just slow down and kind of unplug and de-stress and uh it's been neat to spend time together and slow down together mike a little bit ago you were talking about that phrase when it's all over you know some you know when we're past this when it's in may it's always being forecasted kind of further and further you were telling me about what 
what that makes you think about who we trust. What do you have to say about who we trust right now? At the at the very beginning of all of this stuff, I found myself watching lots of news and holding out hope that um, some some scientist would create the secret ingredient that would cure us all, or some doctor would come up with this cure, or the president would snap his fingers and everything would be a-okay. And the more I was watching those the news shows and listening to what everybody thought, uh, the the less hopeful I felt. And so I sort of flipped from listening to the news to watching sermons online of pastors that I really uh, enjoy hearing. And a couple of them stuck out to me. And the the take-home message that I got from them is, I need to be trusting myself less. I need to be trusting this world less. I need to be trusting God more. Mm-hmm. For me, Jesus is my only hope. And for you, believer, Jesus is your only hope. Jesus can do for you far more than any doctor or any scientist or any president or politician. Not that any of those are bad. They're all very good, and God uses them. And God uses scientists to create cures and doctors to heal people. He uses all of that. But ultimately, if I'm trusting in those people for my hope, if I'm trusting in myself for my hope, saying, well, I'm a pretty healthy person. I'm not really at risk. I'll be fine. If I'm trusting anything but God through this storm, then I think that I'm I'm missing the point and I'm getting it wrong. I was just reading uh, again in Psalms today, Psalm 75.3. It says, when the earth quakes and its people live in turmoil, I, this is God talking, I am the one who keeps its foundations firm. I thought, wow, how fitting. Quite literally, the entire earth is being affected right now, and its people are living in turmoil right now. And God's saying, I'm the one who keeps its foundations firm, not the president, not the scientists, not the doctors, not the news anchors. I am the one who keeps his foundations firm. We're not allowed to say uh-huh a lot, which I do, because, you know, it's an obnoxious for a podcast. But I just want to say I'm doing a lot of head nodding over here. I'm, I'm a bobblehead. Yes, yes, yes. And I think, yeah, I think it's important to to remember that and even to to realize that God being in control <laughs> – yeah, yeah, just trusting the outcome, whatever the outcome is, because it might not be what we think he should do or what we think would be good, but just realizing, all right, I have to trust whatever the outcome is, he's got it. I think another thing that I've sort of taken away from this time that kind of connects a little bit with what you were saying, Mike, is that our life is not in our control. And we tend to like to ignore that because that's a scary concept that we're not in control. And this time where there's so much uncertainty has really opened up a lot of people's eyes to the fact that there's no guarantee that there's a tomorrow. There's there's no guarantee that I won't have a heart attack today. Who knows? I mean, that sounds really scary because control. But 
the crazy and amazing thing is that at least as Christians, we know who's in control and he's our father. Like Mm -hmm. that's crazy. (laughs) And, and he sees the whole picture, not just the three steps ahead of us that we see and not even. (laughs) And I think it's important to just remember to keep giving God the control instead of trying to take it for ourselves, because that's not actually taking it for ourselves. That's just thinking that we can handle it. And that's not going to work. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That, that ties in a lot with, with a lot of what we said in our last podcast, which if you're listening and you haven't heard that one yet, then absolutely listen to it. There's some crossover with what we're talking about here today, but little mm-hmm. little different focus, but I think taken together these two conversations are 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 speaking to a lot of a lot of exciting stuff that we as young Christians can be thinking and learning during this whole time. Mm-hmm. Mike, you've mentioned a comparison with a biblical story about a structure from the Old Testament. <laughs> and I think that's kind of fitting here. Before we, we're going back to some happy stuff, don't worry. But before we get back to the happy stuff, there's some more grim realities to be, to be addressed. Oh boy. So way back in Genesis, I'm reminded of this tower that uh, people were trying to build. And the purpose behind building this tower of Babel uh, was to reach the heavens, to reach God. It was because mankind had become proud thinking, we can do this. We can build a tower that reaches the heavens. And God's sort of looking down, saying, uh, no, I don't think so. I'm going to um, make you speak different languages <laughs> so that you can't finish this tower. And I think that we have a tendency to get to that proud place in our lives sometimes. Um, I'm talking individually. I'm talking collectively as uh, as a country, right. as a nation, as a world, we start thinking we're a little better than we actually are. We forget who's God and who's man. Um, and so I was just thinking um, about parallels between that and this. And my, my hope and my prayer is, first of all, that um, we, we come out victorious from this pandemic that uh that it is defeated but more than that my my prayer is that god is glorified for his work in this in this pandemic it's great to be proud of your accomplishments it's great to be proud of other people um i think it's not great if that pride takes the place of pride in god and what he's doing for us so um, I guess just a just a caution again with where you place your hope. Sooner or later, this is going to come to an end. This virus is going to pass um, by one one reason or another, and ultimately is going to be God's victory. So um, just us as Christians remembering that it's God's victory, and that God uses people 
to to bring that about for sure. But ultimately, the praise and the glory goes to God. Well, it makes me think of Gideon, where he's like, mm. "Go get rid of your men," and then again, he's like, "Oh, now we can do it." No, get rid of more men. He's mm. like, "What? We can't win this battle. There's only three hundred of us." He's like, "Exactly. That way, you know it was me." Like those right. are all over the Old Testament, <laughs> yeah. where God's like, "It's not you. It's not you. It's not you." <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Always. There's a there's a pattern of of God removing every earthly advantage. So mm-hmm. it is abundantly clear that the only way that they were sustained was because of him supernaturally. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's a that's an interesting question. One I hadn't thought of before you mentioned it, Mike, that who's who who is going to get the glory for this when it's over? Are we going to pat ourselves on the back and say, hey, you know, we can't be stopped even by this, you know, man is invincible and, and, and continue <laughs> in, in thinking that we control this world. Or are we going to realize that we're not in control and that we are mortal, like you were saying, Mary. And I think that Christians hopefully always keep that in their minds, but definitely we forget that as well. I'm hoping that, mm-hmm. that the world kind of has an understanding of that as well. So just a thought here, we do want to see people understanding that their lives are temporary and as a result, finding God. We want to see that. We absolutely hope to see that. And God uses tragedy to do that. But as I thought about that, this idea of just hoping that, you know, church attendance might increase or something after a pandemic because people are afraid, I thought, you know what, though, I I don't think that that kind of response is a long-lasting one. There was a lot of hope. Um, I mean, I was really young, but there was there was hope that people were going to come together and start going to church again after 9-11 because it shook people up so much. But I mean, where are we today, right? The world changed. Absolutely, the cha- world changed after 9-11, but it didn't result in a revival. And if it did, they were, they were you know, temporary regional things, but it's we, we haven't seen a drastic increase. And um, I'm not trying to be pessimistic, but I don't expect to see an increase in in church attendance after this because I think we're fickle. We forget the things that we learn. But what made me think, okay, how can, because I'm still asking myself this question, right? How can God get the glory from this if, if we're going to probably just forget our lesson afterwards like we tend to as sinful human mm-hmm. beings? How is God going to get lasting glory from this? And I think the answer comes down to it's it's about people seeing lives lived differently. When people see Christians living differently in the middle of something where everybody's running around panicking and everybody's trying to hoard and protect and save and secure themselves, can Christians live a life that's so radically different, that's so that's so others focused? that it makes a difference in the lives of individuals who don't yet know Christ. I think that's how God gets the glory through this. So I'm a really selfish person. I'm really good at taking care of me because when I'm hungry, I eat. When I'm tired, I sleep. I take care of me and I'm really good at it. So it's been interesting being in this time where it's like, oh, 
I have all this time. I can work on this project and I can do this and I can just spend more time with me to myself and I'm not allowed to go out and help the old lady across the street anyway, so I don't have to go be helpful to her and I don't have to serve here or do this or help this person. Sorry, I can't help you come do your whatever project because COVID-19 and I've sort of used it as an excuse to just have all me time. And I was just sort of convicted realizing Oh, I probably shouldn't be using all of this time just for me and my projects and my stuff and my own self. And so I started thinking, what could I do to to serve in this time? And it's going to look different for me than it's going to look for you or for anyone else. You can't say, oh, my goodness, he did this and this. So I need to do I don't know what you can do. Right. But for me, it's OK. I'm going to send a written a handwritten card out to this person. We post so much on Facebook. We've lost the art of handwritten cards, but it means so much. I'm gonna write this person a card. I'm gonna send this person a package. I'm gonna send this person a fun thing for Easter. I'm gonna do that, you know, just thinking what things can I send in the mail? What can I, you know, just realizing what what can I deliver food to somebody on their doorstep and say, hey, I made this for you. No, maybe you can't get out uh, and, uh, and I wanna give this to you. And I don't know, just coming up with those things that, okay, how can I think about other people in this time where I'm not allowed to go into their house and share a meal with them or go help them fix their broken whatever and whatever physical project, I can't go do that. But what can I do in this time to think about other people instead of just, free time for me i think praying about it is important too i think the holy spirit's gonna let you know what you what you can do robbie you were talking about praying about about what there is to do and just just doing what you can with with your time i think that's really great i think all of us at this point have probably seen things or heard things on the radio or on the internet about the amazing creative wonderful life-changing things people have done as thank yous or or as gifts that they've sent or as like you won't believe what this person did for this little kid's birthday and it's like oh my word that's so cool and i can't do any of those things and it just makes you kind of feel like like a a, a waste of of sheltered in space because you're like well here i am and i can't do anything creative and cool and amazing what what do you what do you say to me Somebody who feels like I don't have a crazy creative gift. What do I what do I do with my time where I am stuck in my house? Well, I Mike had said something about just the fact that there's this huge craze now with everyone's doing this virtual thing and that virtual thing and posting this and posting that and everyone's doing YouTube whatever and I think it can be really easy to play that comparison game. Oh, this person is doing this, but I could never do that. So I don't think I can answer that question for you because I'm not you. But I think that you know you. And I really do. I really do think it's important to pray about it because God obviously is doing something in this time. And I think he wants to use you to do something during this time that isn't just putzing around because we could easily do that and be like well that's what that's the law now that's all i'm allowed to do but i think there's something you can do and i don't know what it is but i do believe that god will show you what it is if you ask right. him say look exactly. i want to serve you somehow in this time and i don't know what it is but i think it's also important to realize that 
it may not be your job to change the world. You don't have to be the one to come up with the vaccine. You don't have to be the one to make a meal for everyone on your block. You just have to do that one thing that you feel like he's telling you to do. And I don't know what it is. I really don't. It just depends on your gifting and your personality. But I think you need to just spend some time, Tim, you're in your closet. You can go to your prayer closet and say, God, I'm ready to do, I'm ready to serve you. I just don't know what that is. So tell me what it is and I'll do it. Yeah, I think praying about it is, is the wisest thing. And then the other one, guys, honestly, that I've been thinking about the most lately is just staying connected, like pick up the phone, you know, and we talk about this a lot right now. Everybody's talking about, Hey, call, call your, your elderly relatives. And and it's, it's, it's so right. It's so true. It means the world to somebody to have somebody else check up on them and just to call. And another thing that's been coming to my mind lately about this, picking up the phone and talking to people, we've all got people in our, in our life, uh, from our past, maybe from high school, or from an old job that you used to have, but they pop into your mind every now and then. You see their face in your head and you think to yourself, I hope they know I haven't forgotten about them. I have people. I can see their faces right now who I think that about. I hope this person knows. I hope he knows. I hope she knows. I haven't (laughs) forgotten about them. I still care about them. Maybe now is the perfect time to let them know, hey, I still still remember you. I still care about you. And I want to know, how are you doing? Because we're always telling ourselves when we do think about those people, oh, well, there's really no reason to get in touch right now. What would we have in common anymore? What could I say? What would we talk about? Well, there is a pandemic. Everybody (laughs) is in the exact same boat. You've got more than the weather in common to talk about right now. I think just now is the perfect time. Whoever's in your mind, like, connect with them because you mm-hmm. you really don't know what kind of opportunities you'll get to do that in the future. So for me, that's, that's been a big one. That's been a big one. And just, just connection, just connection in general, whether they're strangers, kind of not strangers, whether they're people from your past um, who you haven't talked to in a long time. Yeah. Strangers don't want to talk to you right now. Um, or, <laughs> or, or if it's a family member, it's just, it's just now is more important than ever to reach out and stay to to get and stay connected with people. So, well, as you were talking, that's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, what could somebody do? Call your mom. Call your grandma. That's what you could do. Call somebody. You can definitely do that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a simple thing, but that doesn't make it any less important. Well, if you've liked the chat you've heard today, we like having them and we plan to have quite a few more follow us you can subscribe at fln.org slash podcast or just by searching if that makes sense anywhere where you like to listen to or get your podcasts we're so glad that you joined us today if you like what you heard share it with a friend and we hope to talk to you in the next one <laughs>